Welcome to Street Talk, S&P Global Market Intelligence podcast that offers listeners a deep dive into issues facing financial institutions and the investment community. Hi, I'm Nathan Stovall, Senior Research Analyst at S&P Global Market Intelligence, and you're listening to Street Talk. Today, we're talking with Michael Rose, Managing Director at Raymond James, about banks' exposure to the retail sector, which has produced its share of negative headlines and bankruptcies this year as the Amazons of the world continue to gain market share. Thanks for joining us today, Michael. Thank you. You know, Michael, I wanted to, I wanted to start off on sort of why we're talking about this issue. You, know, you're, you and your firm published a really nice in-depth piece uh, not too long ago and have continued to follow up on the issue. And you cited the fact that we've seen you know, more bankruptcies come out of the retail space, weaker retail sales, uh, department stores closing closing locations, and e-commerce gaining market share. But you know, with such a wave of negative headlines, you know, do we do we think it's it's possible that a lot of it is headline risk, or do we think that there's real good reason for legitimate concern over this issue? Yeah, it's a good question, Nathan. So, yes, our team uh, published a, a pretty detailed uh, piece on our uh, on the retail sector and, and how we expect you know this to evolve over time. And I'd say that unlike what unfolded with the energy sector, uh, when the price of the commodity uh, of oil fell very rapidly and had very um, you know very quick impacts uh, to those exposed. We see the retail industry and what will happen to commercial real estate across the various different asset classes um, to be much, much slower moving in general. And I think, um, you know, what we would caution folks is to, um, you know, not not take a broad brush approach uh, to all aspects of commercial real estate, because certainly there are asset classes within commercial real estate that are certainly at bigger risk, uh, particularly those exposed uh, to some of the uh, the power centers or the malls where repurposing that space because of the large square footage will certainly be much more difficult than, say, a grocery store anchored uh, strip center. And, you know, I think taking some corollary lessons from energy, uh, you know, what we learned going through that process was that uh, E&P lending actually turns out to be uh, very safe. Uh, but the further you get away from cash flows, and specifically those that had higher exposure, uh, to the service sector, that's where we saw, you know, the bigger risk. Uh, but certainly at the at the outset, you know, investors uh, painted the entire uh, space with a broad brush, and we're concerned that that may uh, happen here. Um, what I would say is at this point, uh, similar to uh, what happened with energy, um, the banks have been obviously very a little bit slower to disclose information um, than I think investors would like. But I think at this point, you know, we've done the best job that we can to, you know, parse out the coverage universe and see who has the exposure. But at this point, um, I, I think it's too early to draw any, uh, you know, any overarching conclusions. Um, but there are certainly some signs out there that are that are troubling. Yeah, and the parallel to the energy is an interesting one. You know, you talked about the the quick shift there. Oil was north of 100, and then you know, 18 months later, we're in the high 20s. Uh, retail, the 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 issue of e-commerce challenging retail has been what a 15 year, 20 year discussion, mm-hmm. and and I don't think anybody's made the claim that maybe it's 
it's or, or or anybody can accurately say that it's declined that much in value. Maybe you've seen some retailers uh, see their share prices come over that uh, that that sort of pressure. But to your point, we, we can't really quantify it as clearly as we could uh, with with oil and say, you know, if you're lending against one hundred dollars a barrel and now it's twenty five, that that could mean X. Is that sort of the, the kind of point you guys are making there? Exactly. And, you know, I think outside of just the different classes of retail and commercial real estate, um, there's, you know, there's also retail C&I loans. Um, you know, it's going to be very, uh, I would say, market and micro-market specific. Um, you know, clearly demographic trends uh, in places like Florida and Texas where there's net in-migration of people, it's going to require <laughs> more grocery stores, more pizza places, more barber shops. Etc. Um, but in places where there's net outflows of people uh, or baby boomers retiring, um, and you know places where you know smaller communities where maybe a manufacturer leaves town, and you know uh, certainly some of those uh, areas would be more at risk than areas that would benefit from the evolving demographics. Uh, what we do know is there have been uh, a good amount of store closures. Um, you know, across the retail space that have certainly gotten a lot of headlines, which, which makes sense. But, you know, one stat that, um, that, that I point to is that uh, e-commerce uh, remains a relatively small piece of the overall retail pie um, using data uh, that we found. It's just about 8.5%. Now, certainly the growth rate in e-commerce uh, and what we call the Amazonification of shopping uh, and shopping trends is uh, the younger generation, you know, um, shops more online uh, and on their phone as opposed to uh, the older demographics. Um, you know, I think that growth rate clearly is a lot faster uh, than traditional retail. But traditional retail is, is, is not going away, won't go away. This is a, uh, a much slower-moving shift than what we saw with energy. You know, again, clearly completely different uh, subjects, but I think there are some, you know, corollaries that can be drawn between, uh, you know, how the events unfolded. And, and, you know, again, in the case of retail, I mean, this is something that's going to take place, you know, over the next, you know, 10, 20 years and be much slower moving uh, relative to oil, where, as you mentioned, the price of oil fell very sharply in a very short period of time. Yeah, I think I think you guys found you said eight percent of the market. It was one percent, if I remember correctly, back in two thousand. Yeah, that's, that's pretty considerable growth, but that's also over seventeen years. So, you know, it, it's not like it happened overnight. And, and I think that was an interesting point too. I mean, about it being market specific. Uh, you know, we always hear that uh, banks, in particular community banks, are thermometers for their local economies. You know, if you've got uh, people moving in, even if you have a store closure, maybe it's the barbershop or the pizza, pizzeria, as you talked about, that moves moves into that space. Uh, so, I mean, maybe it could slow new development, but you're not talking about mass vacancies here. Um, it, it also, one of the takeaways I had looking at your research was, you know, just trying to figure out how much exposure, at least direct exposure, that banks have at this point it's pretty tough uh, because it's kind of up to them to disclose it. I mean, even the call report data, we don't really have much of an idea. And it also seems like the, most of the exposure would probably come in the CRE bucket. Uh, and, and, again, it might not be completely clear how much is there. Do, is that a fair statement, you think? 
That, that is a fair statement, and, you know, they're, as you've seen from our report, at least for the 136 banks under our coverage universe here at Raymond James, I mean, we've done the best job we can with the disclosures, and, you know, we did get a little bit more um, from some of the banks, uh, you know, after second quarter results, but the data is still, I would say, inconsistent. Um, it's really hard to measure. And what we found so far is, is those that have come out and given the data all say that they're going to be fine and that their real, you know, their retail real estate, uh, or retail CRE exposure, um, is going to be fine. Um, something that we heard with, with energy, but I think, um, you know, this is, you know, again, a little bit different, uh, because there are just so many different asset classes, so many different variables, you know, relative to something like, like oil or, or auto for that matter, where it's, um, you know, it's pretty, uh, pretty easy to, to, kind of dive in and get the get the data. Um, this is much more complex. And I think at this point, you know, the banks are trying to figure out themselves, uh, you know, what not only the direct impacts are, but, you know, what the indirect impacts are. So, for instance, let's just say uh, you're in a, a power center where there's a Kohl's and there's also, you know, and they've, they've shut that store. And you know, there's the pizza place and the uh, the dance uh, you know center and the and the, and the barber shop. Um, with that decreased foot traffic, in theory, does that put pressure on you know the community bank that's lending to the pizzeria owner, to the dance, uh, you know, to the dance store, to uh, to the barber shop? And, and I think that's what's much harder to grasp in uh, this slowly evolving. Um, you know, changing the landscape in the uh, in the retail space, whereas in energy, I mean, you could obviously see the rig count <laughs> every week, and you could see that uh, you know the oil being produced um, at a given price was was obviously less at, <laughs> at a lower per barrel price. Um, it's a little bit harder to see here, and I think you know again, um, we see this as kind of a slower glacial moving type of event as opposed to kind of a, a direct impact. <laughs> Uh, which is what we saw with energy. But but again, to that parallel, and it's a good one because contagion risk was something we talked about a lot with energy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the spillover effect? And and that seems to be something that, that that you think is is kind of a great unknown here. You know, you mentioned, and we definitely heard uh, in Q2 earnings season, uh, a lot a lot of bankers sort of downplay this exposure, downplay the issue. Uh, you know, we talked about how they did the same thing with energy, and you guys uh, a, b- a bunch of times came out and said, you know, uh, it, it was the fear was overblown and banks got ahead of it. Uh, my, my question to you is, did, are investors buying management teams saying that this isn't that big of an issue and, and does maybe the experience with energy maybe help a little bit with credibility? Because, you know, we showed that, hey, we are out in front of this. You know, it's a great question, and you know, I think it's uh, I think it's skewed a little bit here um, because general credit quality has continued to improve, and um, you know, a lot of the the EPS beats in the second quarter were actually you know lower provision uh, or, or provision driven uh, in nature. So, you know, I, I don't think this issue is going to go away. You know, again, I think it's just going to evolve a little bit more slowly. Uh, than 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 we might think, just because overall general credit quality trends are are pretty strong at this point. Um, you know, obviously there's some some categories like retail and auto that and multifamily that that several have pointed out, and and we're definitely keeping a, a closer eye on here. But I think it's really important to differentiate, you know, where the problems are going to be, and that's what we've really tried to do. 
you know, outside of, you know, the, 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 the power centers and the, uh, and the malls, uh, where, uh, the, the, the most exposed, um, you know, lenders there are not actually the banks. It's actually, you know, the REITs and the, and the private equity firms. You know, they're the ones that are probably going to have a little bit more issue. Um, but, but even if, if you just go into specific subsectors, let's say, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, the food service industry. Um, you know, certainly if we were to go into a downturn, um, some of the, 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 um, the fast food, uh, eateries, uh, in theory should perform, you know, better than the quick casual, uh, dining establishments like Chili's or Applebee's. And I'm not just picking on them. Um, but those, you know, that, that type of lending to the fast food sector over time has proven to be more recession resilient. You know, I think one thing that gives us a little bit more confidence for the banks that do have exposure is that since the Great Recession, um, you know, LTVs and loan-to-cost and construction projects um, tend to be at uh, much lower levels than they were pre-cycle. So there's certainly more equity going into deals, which should, um, in theory, limit loss given the loss given default and loss, you know, loss severity over time. Um, so I, I definitely feel better now than I do or would have felt uh, pre-cycle. Um, but nonetheless, um, there are going to be issues. Uh, it is going to be uh, in certain geographies. It is going to be in certain asset classes. But again, I think at the end of the day, you know, the retail landscape is very big, and you have to look at different sectors and subsectors uh, to really find out where the where the issues are going to be and where they're not going to be. Absolutely, it doesn't feel like uh, 07 in terms of uh, in terms of LTVs at, at all. You know, I kind of I kind of want to wrap up and and ask. You know, how big of a conversation is credit in general with investors for you today? You know, not just on, on retail. Uh, and the reason why I want to put it that way is because, you know, it, we've been having this, it can't get any better discussion for some time. Uh, and, and why I want to ask it that way is, you know, are, are investors waiting for a shoe to drop? Does it feel like that to you? Um, or would you say that there is just, you know, an appropriate, reasonable amount of attention on, on credit at this standpoint or at this point in time? Yeah, you know, I think credit clearly is a is kind of an omnipresent um, type of discussion that I have with investors. You know, I would say that at this point, um, discussions around deposits, uh, deposit cost increases and betas uh, is certainly at the top of the pile at this point, um, but it seems like, you know, the, the, the credit uh, shoe that everyone has, you know, been expecting to drop, even us, uh, a year or so ago, just hasn't. And now you're starting to see, you know, some issues across several different asset classes, not just energy. Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, auto is, is definitely an area of concern. Um, you've seen multifamily uh, being overbuilt, uh, arguably, in some in some markets, and that that's definitely causing you know some concern. You know, the other thing I'd throw in there too is you know the, with the with the constant with the with the greater focus by regulators on the uh, CRE and construction concentration guidelines. I think what we've seen is banks pull back uh, in those in those categories and go a little bit more broadly into CNI lending, and you know that's an area in general that I would worry about um, outside of you know the slower evolving. Uh, commercial real estate, you know, retail uh, cycle that we that we've talked about. Um, should there be, uh, you know, a slowdown in economic growth, or if we if we were to go into a recession? And I think if you look at the Fed Senior Loan Officer Survey and some of the trends in there and CNI, I think you're already starting to see that happen. 
Um, you know, clearly the spread in uh, CNI loans over cost of funds, uh, meaning uh, much you know tighter terms uh, in terms of uh, spread. Uh, you're starting to see that in the data, and you know that's probably a, a bigger issue, um, potentially nearer term relative to to retail. But again, um, you know I think uh, real estate and and uh, retail exposed uh, real estate, you know, could have some problems. We just don't have. I don't think we just have enough insider data at this point to to truly know what the second derivative impacts are going to be because I think it's easy to point out where, you know, if there's a mall and, you know, Sears and Kohl's have closed the store in the mall, that that mall is certainly going to be under pressure. Um, you know, but, again, if it's a strip center and, you know, maybe the uh, maybe the grocery chain is, is, is going out of business because there's a new – you know, Walmart down the street that uh, has grocery, uh, you know, operations in there. I mean, that that could put, you know, second derivative pressure on the other tenants within that uh, uh, within that center. So, you know, uh, you know, again, I think at the end of the day, uh, there are overarching credit concerns for the industry as a whole. Um, I'm just not sure the retail uh, piece of the pie is going to show up, you know, anytime in the next uh, six to 12 months. I think it's going to be a much slower, longer evolving uh, event. Certainly, certainly, and, and market-specific. And, and also, it sounds like while we might feel good about folks backing away from the asset class, uh, uh, we might be a little nervous about them moving into C&I with, without a lot of experience, and perhaps all of this happening at a time when funding costs are finally coming off of the bottom. So Correct. Uh, well, I, I think that's all the time we have, but uh, thank you so much, Michael, uh, for a great discussion.